0: You're listening to Security Speaking, the SSI podcast.
1: Welcome to Security, Sales, and Integration Security Speaking podcast. I'm Scott Goldfein, Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher. For more than 10 years, I've had the pleasure of hosting SSI's annual Security Integrator Roundtable at the PSA Tech event to provide the market with an intimate view of current trends, challenges, and opportunities. This year's panelists were Burt Bongard, President and CEO of LVC Companies, Louis Bulgarides, President and CEO of Olivier Corporation, and Fabiola Francisco, Director of Client Success for Condor Tech Services. In addition to this podcast, be sure to read more valuable content from this session in the July issue of SSI and at securitysales.com. And now here's exclusive material not found anywhere else. Enjoy. Be sure to subscribe to SSI's YouTube channel Hit the like button, share, and leave comments, or subscribe to SSI Security Speaking Podcast on Apple and Spotify, and leave us a review. Thank you. All right, so uh, welcome to the 2021 PSA Roundtable. For those who don't know, I think uh, actually some of you have participated before, but uh, this is something that I've been doing annually, usually you know, at the event in person for I don't know, it might be 15 years. It's been a long time. So uh, it's always something that's, you know, informative and I encourage interactivity among each other, you know? So if one of you mentions something that piques the interest of another participant, by all means interject and feel free to throw out a question at that other panelist, you know Um, it's meant to be sort of interactive that way. And a lot of times something will come up that, you know, uh, warrants a follow-up from someone other than myself. So feel free. All right. So with that, let's get rolling. And we're going to start by uh, introducing yourself, your title, your company with some background information on that. So let's just start that off with Bert.
2: Hi. So I'm Bert Bongard. I am the president L- uh, and CEO of the LVC Companies. We have three office lo- well, we have multiple office locations mainly in Minnesota, Wisconsin and Arizona. We're about 248 employees right now. And uh, so we serve nationwide and we specialize in security, structure cable and fire and suppression.
3: Excellent, thank you. Louis? My name's Louis Boguerides. I am the uh, president and CEO of Olivier Corporation. I had to look at the business card here. So Olivier was founded in 1987 Um, I came on board about five years ago. Uh, Olivier is a security systems integration company. Uh, We are focused on managed services located in Southern California. So our office is in downtown LA. And um, we are uh, a security services company. We like to consider ourselves a holistic solution provider focused on recurring revenue and uh, providing a holistic solution to our customers.
1: Very good. Thank you. Fabiola, is that pronounced right?
0: That's right. I'm Fabiola Francisco, the Director of Client Success here at Contratex Services. Uh, We're based out of Fairfax, Virginia, uh, founded in 1989. We are uh, primarily a federal contractor. About 85% of our uh, client base is is with the federal contracts. And then about 15% commercial, focused on property management, financial institutions. Um, And um, yeah, I mean, we focus on security. Uh, system design all the way up until life cycle maintenance uh similar to what the other peers here at psa have done um and uh we service around the country we've gone as far up to alaska my guys loved it when they went to hawaii for a project uh mainly on the government side so yeah, thank you <laughs>
1: Are you finding that the end user expectations and RFPs are realistic? You know, what they're expecting and looking for?
0: So it, on the government side, I'm going to wear two hats here. So on the government side, it's hitter. It, it, it really depends. Um, most of the RFPs explain exactly what they're looking for. And for the most part are realistic. Um, but remember, we we take it uh, we prime a majority of these contracts. So I, we kind of know how to vet them. There's some out there that I've seen where it, they are asking for something that may not exist, um, but that's very far and few between. Uh, most of the time, they're being done, uh, they're being working with very great security consultants um, that come in and help them design all of that, uh, all of the drawings and all of the specifications and all of the sections when they come out to go to bid, right? Um, I, I would have to say that where I do see that there is some. Um, there, there's a need for bridging that gap is between uh, the security and IT when it comes to getting an authorization to operate. Um, th- there's something called the RMF, Risk Management Framework by NIST, um, that every government agency has to follow when they're adopting any, well, almost every other government agency. The DOD has their own version, right? Um, but any, any government agency that's going to be placing their systems on the network has to create these um, security system plans, right? Uh, uh, For information assurance. And then got, mind you, this goes beyond my expertise. We have smarter people than me in the company uh, that can speak to this. But the base base premise is ensuring that cyber risk is um, minimized, making sure it's documented on how they're controlling all the aspects of the system, making sure that they know exactly how it's being configured, making sure it's nice and secure so that when IT goes in and provides a patch updates, so they you know what site support agreements need to be updated. So uh, I think that's where I kind of see uh, their client's expectation, or I guess in our, on our side, it would be the contracting officer's expectations, right? Versus uh, what they're expecting budget-wise for that level of effort. Um, in our industry, it'd be different if it was an IT specialist hiring this out, they would understand the work that's involved and how much um, information it takes to create this. So they're, they're a little sticker shock when they find out that this actually costs a significant amount. Or um, another one would be, we tell them in the beginning that we need this done, it's a nine month project, right? And we're now at month um, seven, eight. And they still haven't engaged their IT team and so we're now extending these contracts because that process takes easily nine to 12 months to do um, if they haven't had any experience so um, a real world situation that we're currently experiencing right now and it's not one that's been unfamiliar we've had this occur time and time again on our government contract sides on the commercial side uh, that bridge between IT and, and federal and, and IT and the security industry, the security uh, end user, it is pretty good. It, it's it's there. Um, the, the communications are much more open. Uh, it, it's a lot less, I guess, regulated in the sense of documentation wise. There's a whole process documentation that happens on the on on the federal government side, and then it might be because they handle a lot of that work. So at least in that sort of sense, we, we, we kind of like that on the commercial side for some of our na- national property management and slash financial institution accounts that we have. Um, but uh, I mean, those are the larger clients on the smaller clients, because we do have small, you know, two twosies is just better educating them um, on those pieces. So, yeah, but... Information assurance is a big topic as well on the pandemic side because, you know, they were having to go remote, right? This whole remote work makes them really worry about what's gonna be on the screen if you're using this at home. And if you're using this on your laptop, your personal laptop, not just your um, government, uh, your client issued or your government issued or whatever device. So um, that was also another big thing during the pandemic that we've seen a big increase of requests
1: for. Uh, What's going on with the supply chain? in terms of uh, chipset issues and uh, product shortages and, and also the NDAA stuff. And, um, you know, what do you make of the current landscape on the supplier side? And, you know, how do you think it's going to impact the integrator channel and how are are you as a company prepared to, you know, manage that?
3: So, so far, knock on wood, I've had no impacts from supply chain. I haven't had any drastic increases in supply costs, um, including wire. And I know some wire manufacturers have, in, you know, obviously commodities are going up, copper's gone up. I know one, one wire manufacturer raised their price, raised their prices by 9% already this year. Not our wire supplier, but a different one. And so, you know, some of those costs are coming. We haven't had been impacted by any of them yet. And so, we are proactively communicating to our customers that if they don't get their orders in and get things processed, there may be issues and that it's coming. Um, and really, you know, the piece of this that um, I'm trying to be mindful of and, you know, listening to my peers like Fabi and Bert and, you know, at some point here, we're gonna have to raise prices. And in my executive group, our leader said, if you can't raise prices right now, you can never raise prices, right? I mean. If you can't raise prices in the middle of, you know, this huge inflationary period with costs going up and all these explanations and fuel prices going up, you know, when are you going to do it? But a lot of our customers are under a lot of financial pressure right now. And so, you know, I have customers coming to me asking me to cut my costs because they're under pressure still, you know, large property management companies and folks like that. So so it's kind of a delicate balance of, you know, at some point this is all going to come through and impact us as a business, you know, how and where do we pass those costs on to the customer? You know, and can we pass those costs on to the customer? So I haven't, I haven't had to cross that bridge yet. I know it's coming. Um, it is a regular conversation for me and a regular topic um, and something I'm monitoring closely, but I haven't had to react to it um, yet.
1: Hmm. You know, we have uh, connected brands as part of our organization, which includes AV guys and, and that kind of uh, business. And some of them are saying right now that there are certain components and types of uh, products that they can't even find, you know? So I know they're having an issue with it and I think we're going to feel it too. Um, Fabiola, what are you uh, seeing and sensing in terms of the supply chain challenges?
0: I Setting up client expectations when it comes to when and what they are ordering is one of the key things in this, you know, planning and communications can help mitigate a lot of the struggles that we're encountering currently. I mean, even with the gas shortages that we're experiencing currently right now here in Virginia, right. In the Metro DC or along the East coast uh, understanding, you know, we, we had a draft um, email out ready to go out uh, with regards to everything that's going on, communicating the, the impacts that we're experiencing, you know, so far, you know, We've had a handful of projects have some long delayed lead times because of a product, not being able to arrive. It went from, you know, two weeks to six weeks, but again, communicating with our clients has been able to kind of um, edge those fears and worries. We had, as soon as we were alerted of the, of the shortage, um, we definitely had presented, told them, right. And said, Hey, this is coming up. It may or may not impact you. Uh, Other things that, you know, we're seeing is a shift in and getting creative right um servers the the big nvidia um and, uh I forget the part number anyways those video cards right on um, those g p u cards those are in high demand they're 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 you can't find them and you need them when you're creating socks right security operation centers for government um so uh we are you know We have to find ways to work around that, you know, either the clients are going to virtualize their machines and use what they have in in house, or they're waiting a long time and we are planning ahead of time and ordering that, you know, for in April, we ordered some stuff back in December, right, because we knew it was going to take that long to get here um finding uh, finding ways to work around the shortages um and it's very hard especially with all of the regulations and compliances that we have to hit for our federal client base you know a lot of it you know boils down it, it has an impact a lot of it is having a very direct impact um not immediately uh but i know it's going to hit come september um The other thing that kind of helps, though, is maintaining those relationships with your vendors and suppliers, giving them a heads up advance notice. Hey, I'm going to be ordering, you know, 50, 60 cameras or 50, 60 readers, you know, bear that in mind, coming around this time frame, plan ahead. Um, And and thankfully, we've been able to do some of that. We, we, We maintain that. The goal here is how do you, you know, for us, it's, you know, how can we maintain product production improve it because there's always methods and ways to improve that productivity without burning your guys out right it's about you know, providing them tools providing them automation tools and anything to make their life easier out in the field uh and getting it again those projects out the door so that you can help the clients you know close up that job and 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 you know collect payment right and collect and start the warranty process right uh, you know, how do we improve that and how, you know, how do we get creative, but behind it is, you know, again, technology, communication, planning, right? <laughs> this boils down to the three basic premises for anything that we do. Right, uh, But no, uh, I do see that some of it's going to have a pretty severe impact come late summer, early fall, uh, only because of what we've been talking to with a lot of our, with a lot of our vendors, and they're, they're saying that, look, you know, we have it currently through the end of July. Um, not going to name the vendor, but it's definitely impacting us fourth quarter of the year and, you know, third, uh, the last quarter of the year. And I'm like, okay, good to know. Um, and communicating that now, because I, in our government, we have a long lead time for a lot of our projects. Um, so we get to communicate that with them and saying, Hey. Uh, you know, I know you want to get this started come October, December timeframe, maybe. But note that these pro- these parts and pieces won't be able to be uh, won't be able to be held for you until you place that purchase order, and then I can get it started as soon as possible. Um, and you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it, they're going to hold off and say, "Okay, good to know." They'll issue the purchase order and do a modification later to extend it as needed. So, oh so, yeah.
3: Is
1: is that also uh, elevating the supplier wholesale prices?
0: We've seen some impact, um, but the way we offset that is we actually try to buy things in bulk um, and store a lot of this uh, commonly used like wire, cable, things like that that we use. We we have um, we do have a standard here, and we we negotiate those ahead of time. And when the prices were low, we we kept stock. So we do have an inventory of all of those pieces and parts. It's what, Even on camera types and things like that, we, have, we maintain our own little supply uh, for our clients um, to be able to offset those increases. And then that way, anything that we are presenting currently uh, reflect the correct price um, that, are, that is you know, when they're increasing. So, uh, so far, so good. It's working. I'll let you know how it goes at the end of the year, I guess.
1: We'll check back. On uh, it's it been sure. working.
0: It's been working so far. It's, it's not the first year that we're doing this. We've been buying in bulk um, towards the end of the year for a few years now. So, and it does help because prices are always increasing with this big inflation that's hitting soon. Um, you know, we'll see if it's, if our plan and method is, is, you know, we pulse it every quarter, right? And see if our plan and method is working um, to be able to mitigate that. Prices do go up though. Um, so it's constantly our, our GSA, internal GSA contracting um, uh, officer here, who is constantly always updating the price list on the GSA schedule, and um, especially when it comes to parts that are not ours, you know, our labor, you know, we we have our own rules that can get those offset and things like that, but when it comes to parts and pieces, she has to update that as the prices come to us to update our GSA schedule.
1: I'm in North Carolina, so I feel you on the gas situation, too.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Oh, yeah, goodness. Yeah. Uh, Bert, uh, what do you see in the supply chain and how are you guys preparing and managing that?
2: Yeah, it's horrible. So we've, we've seen delays for months on, on different products, whether it's uh, for our fire alarm division, security division, um, not so much for our structured cable division, but the interesting thing is pricing is going up. We have been proactive as possible, but you can only be as proactive as, you, as you're allowed. So, um, you can, you can kick and scream all you want, but if it's not available, it's not available. We've tried other sources. Uh, we've had people looking at, uh, other vendors and, uh, even swapping things out. We could, we started early on with adding things into our contract two months into the, into the pandemic, as far as, um, in the event of you know, lack of, uh, of product shortages or in the event of price increases, we we built things into our contracts. Easier said than done to, to collect. But uh, I will tell you that what we've seen in our sprinkler division is pipe or uh, steel costs have increased 150%. And uh, when you're doing a lot of work, for possibly for some schools, um, to try to get blood out of a turnip, so to speak, ask them to come back to the table and help you with those costs um, it's a real fight so it's it's uh, like Fabiola said you know we've been talking with uh, PSA and a lot of our other vendors and uh, you know what can we do and really it's just active and efficient communication is about the best you can do you know all the vendors are going after their manufacturers and asking them to increase things but as we know with the pandemic it a lot of manufacturing was shut down and uh, the orders kept coming. So I know somebody actually I've got a relative that works for 3M and there are millions of orders behind with more coming in every day and they can't get the the workforce to do to to actually catch up. And so that's a real problem I think for all of us and it just it's top up, uh, top down bottom up is there just isn't the workforce out there to get caught up? So I don't know what the answer is to that, but that's a real scary thing um, going forward right now. Is how are these manufacturers ever going to catch up to the demand?
1: And what about in terms of you know what you're saying to customers and clients? How are you you know keeping them subdued, if you will? Or
2: so really, it's just communication uh, we've been, we've been prepping them for months that this is coming and it's no surprise to them. It's no surprise to them. So there's quite a few projects that we've just put out a ways. Uh, you don't ever want to put a project out because you want that work, but, uh, several customers, you know, just ask what's the reality of doing it this quarter or for this budget year, what types of things like that. So we are working with them constantly as far as you know, when do they think it's going to happen? Because obviously they don't want to budget it this year. if It's not going to happen for next year or this quarter for next quarter. So it's just communicating with them. I think people, um, for the most part, realize what's going on. Uh, there's not many people with their head in the sand. And uh, we've been pretty fortunate with our customers that they're understanding uh, that there's nothing anybody really can do.
1: Had you ever seen anything comparable to this in your years in the industry?
2: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, we, you, we've all heard the words for in the political environment and the social environments about unprecedented, like never before. You know, um, not for 100 years, all these things, and, you know, not in our lifetime. And it's true. And you never really know what that impact is until you're living it. And, boy, are we living it.
1: All right. Uh, Let's dig into some other technology areas. We touched on AI uh, before and uh, Fabiola mentioned cyber. Uh, Let's uh, get a little feedback on cyber from, from Lewis. Um, How are you dealing with that with your customers today? And do you see that increasing as a business opportunity for your company?
3: So, we started framing this up a couple of years ago. Our uh, former owner was uh, very active in the cyberspace. Uh, actually, helped us put together a cybersecurity protocol that we use that we share with customers around, you know, just basic practices that that we do. Um, Chris Peckham, my COO, is on the committee that's putting together the cyber certification test that PSA has been working on with uh, with SIA. You know, that's another step, kind of as this industry evolves, but the bottom line is in the conversation i had with my folks is you know look either the it guys are going to move into this space or we're going to move into this space so somebody's going to take this space and the space is this ot environment for the building so all of the base building base structure managed switches all of that infrastructure for the building and so what's happening in at least in our region there are it companies very aggressively going after this so It's an opportunity for security companies that can pivot, Um, you know, obviously, you know, just because somebody's an IT company doesn't make them a cybersecurity expert, right? And so again, where I say we wanna be a holistic security provider, that includes cybersecurity. So, you know, we have customers now where we are uh, administrating their cybersecurity program. So we'll deploy the firewall, we'll we'll monitor it um, and we will provide those services. I mean, there's no reason why the, you know, the IT guys don't have a, you know, um, you know, again, they don't have any more expertise in this area than, than potentially our folks do. And a lot of our security folks with IT backgrounds have more of a cybersecurity orientation around some of this and some of these best practices. So for us, it's, a, it's another area we can grow into. And so we kind of look at this in terms of there's the security technology piece, there's the staffing piece and there's a cybersecurity piece. And we try to be able to holistically advise on all of those and have expertise in all of those areas. So um, it's, it's an opportunity. There's some risk there, obviously cybersecurity insurance and costs associated with that. And, you know, this pipeline is a great example, right. Of, you know, I don't know who was guaranteeing that thing, wasn't going to get attacked, but, you know, you got to be super careful with what you're promising because, you know, there are no guarantees. It's the wild, wild west still right in the cyberspace. So it's an opportunity. There's a lot of risk associated with it. We're trying to balance those two and find opportunities that really fit us as a company. Um, You know, uh, it takes a whole different skill set of people to support that. So, you know, it's just, there's a lot of process that goes into that and people part of that. And to Bert's point, and I think Bobby may have said the same thing, you know, people are at a premium right now. So, you know, it's, it's making all of this a little bit tough to, to do to any of these things strategically as we try to make changes.
1: When you look at the sales process, though, uh, Lewis, is it typically, you know, you're doing the physical security and then you make the end user aware that you also do cyber or is it completely separate? And then sometimes uh, you, you bring them together or, you know, how much is physical writing on, on a cyber lead, you know, that kind of thing.
3: So so what normally happens for us is when we talk about security now, whether it's cloud-based or on-prem, we have the cybersecurity question. And as soon as we have that cybersecurity question, the question comes up, well, what other building systems are impacted or what other building systems are exposed? And so either the customer has an internal person or a company managing their OT environment already or the opportunity has been created at that point when we have that conversation. So, you know, as industry leaders, as good partners for our customer, we can't talk about deploying any of our systems that touch the WAN without talking about cybersecurity and subsequently have the rest of that conversation. Right. So then it just becomes, you know, whether or not we want to own their cybersecurity program, whether or not they want us to own it, whether or not they have somebody else doing it, but there is a, uh, there's a, a a very high awareness around cyber vulnerability right now, right? There's been enough press and enough awareness around it. So it's a very easy additional conversation with them. When you're talking about their security program, the transition is very easy now in terms of uh, being able to have that whole conversation with the customer. Mm
1: -hmm. Bert, where do you guys stand right now with the cyber piece?
2: So we uh, are not actually providing ourselves. We've partnered up with some people, We just didn't feel, well, we just, I just know we don't have that internal expertise where I felt comfortable actually offering it right now to our customers, but what we're offering them is advice and and help with that. So, you know, we've hardened our systems and worked with them to make sure they understand everything, but we are promoting a particular particular company and working really strongly with a particular company um, in our area to help us get through all that. Um, with the amount of attacks and the, the diversification, one of the things we have is the diversification we have with all our systems and our different uh, verticals. Um, our insurance company isn't really crazy about us diving into that too much because we have we have a potential lot of vulnerabilities. So um, it is something that, as we know, especially through the pandemic, this is one of our business continuity plans for cyber attacks. And, Like I mentioned earlier, we hired two more IT professionals internally to protect us. But to provide it as a service, we are not doing that right now.
1: Do you see it as an area of potential growth in terms of uh, comparable to cloud and and managed access and video or maybe not as much?
2: Absolutely. So we have an initiative right now to build it within. And uh, we're being very careful how we do that, but it's a slower process for us because uh, like we've talked about here to find those people. So we've been talking with some smaller companies to possibly acquire them. So, you know, either you build it or you acquire somebody. Um, It's pretty tough to organically build it because then you have to have training and you have to make sure your people are trained and educated well enough. So it's a, uh, It's a triangle, you know, you have to have the educated people and you have to have the training um, or you have to acquire somebody to be comfortable in that environment if you're gonna uh, sell it as a service. So those are the things that we're vetting out as we speak.
1: Is now a particularly uh, good time to try to acquire somebody coming out of this period where maybe some companies really struggled and are looking to sell?
2: Well, I would tell you right now, what we're finding is that everybody's busy. And, uh, you know, the growth of the country that we were experiencing was, was lapping the technical ability we had out there. So, um, the, our, the technical ability we have in our market and in other markets has been lacking with the amount of growth. So it's, it's been, it's been pretty tough to staff it up and well for all our disciplines. And, uh, you know, that's, I would say that is the biggest hurdle we have as far as staffing it up or finding companies that possibly are in, hey, I'm, I'm scared where we're at, or it's a good time to sell. So uh, b- backing up, digressing a little bit. So I have come across a couple of companies that feel it's prime to sell right now, um, and mostly because they are at a point in their career where they want to step aside. But companies that are very healthy, younger people—they're—they're they're passionate about growing. So it's very—it's uh, very much a, a niche group of people that are even willing to, to entertain selling. And of course, you have those that aren't doing well, and you—you—you you, you really need to look hard at whether or not you're interested in those people at all. And then you have the people that have built it, have very good company, and uh, they may or may not be asking for. Um, an exorbitant amount
1: of money. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Fabiola, did you want to add anything else on uh, the cyber topic before we move on?
0: Yeah, I mean, what Lou and Bert are right spot on with, with regards to the availability and opportunity in the cybersecurity space. Uh, when we approach security, you know, we we do recognize that we're doing physical security, right? We're we're creating technology systems to support their physical space. But um, when we go in there to present our our s- solutions, right? We we definitely bring in information technology, you know, information security, right? The IT security piece too, because uh, you can't talk about one without talking about the other. Our systems are, um, I, I think. I, can, I don't even think I can count one that wasn't on the land last year, uh, in the last year at all, in the last two, three years at all. And so we've learned to kind of stay on top of that, you know, stay on top of the cybersecurity piece, making sure that we are engaging with our IT folks. And if they don't have that system set up and ready or they don't know, our IA person internally we will walk them through it. And, uh, and and that creates a value add, a value add of what we can provide to our clients, because in the end, what we're trying to focus on is in the total security experience given by Condor Tech services, right? Our, um, the experience that our client feels um, has to feel like it's a partnership. They're, we're a resource, right? And we are providing a solution and also thinking about future future proofing them in many of those things. We want them to feel, like they can come to us and saying, hey, you know, this is what I'm working on. You know, you know this is the drawing, right? Um, I, I really wanna put these 10 cameras here and then I can go in or, and say, well, are you thinking that 10 camera, why do you want 10? You know, can I use multi-sensor cameras? Can I use analytics? What are you trying to achieve with that? Um, well, why are you trying to lock up all of these devices or inventory? You know, what is it that you're trying to get to? Um, going going back to the why they're uh, why they are asking for things and getting that information out there, um, you know, physical security, information security, all of that is security. So I definitely think that that's something that we, as a security industry, should embrace and say we need to invest in. Our the founder of the company is very visionary, so he's always like five steps ahead of what's going on. Anyway, so we've been investing in um, t- in trainings uh, for our staff kind of rewinding a little bit here. Um, so we, we have a lot of those staff in embedded in our own, uh, that we've invested in, uh, on cybersecurity and pieces like that. We, we are promoting them to, to go after the other, um, certifications and, and we, we, you know, pay for their certification should they pass, um, and, and promote them accordingly. Uh, so, so yeah. And, I'm don't think that it's going to go away I don't think that it's going to be able to stay long without the industry saying we need to have a part in this because uh, um, they're just going to be blending into one kind of like you said you know it's IT is going to handle their security or, or our industry well I really think it's already one industry at this point I mean, we are on the government side at least and what I've seen we fall under that IT umbrella now the question becomes who's going to be the one that's going to be dictating, um, those regulations. Who's going to be dictating those um, standards? Is it going to be IT? Who they've done a great job on the information side, but we understand the physical security as well. Do can they think like us? Um, they're they're thinking behind the screen, and and they are well deserved for being in that industry for doing what they do. But on my end, we're thinking a lot more than just um, the computer systems. We're thinking about the entire situation from what's going on outside of the building, i.e. the pipelines, right? You know, they, they thought, oh, let's prevent cyber, but okay, well, why didn't you have to fail um, a, 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 a manual valve to, you know, manually bypass it in case something does happen? You know, that's where our industry is, is very much, you know, what happens, how can you break the system um, so that you can create a better, you know, create a better solution to fix that and always staying one step ahead. Um, Speaking on that one step ahead, you know, if you, you know, in we must stay one step ahead, but at the same time, we're only one step ahead. So you've gotta be constantly trying to keep yourself moving forward when you're thinking about it. So cyber, kind of going off on a tangent here, but cybersecurity, it, it, it is part of us. You know, there, there's no choice. Our, our industry is gonna get there. It has to catch up to it. And the question now becomes, well, Um, Am I going to have a say as to how that's going to run? Because I I do feel like our industry should be the one who says, you know, how that works and how will that go on to our OT systems, operating technology systems versus an IT because IT protects information. We need to make sure our systems are running and operating at all times while at the same time preventing ransomware attacks, preventing um, hacks, the PLCs that happened way back when, you know, all of those um, hacks and attacks that have happened in the past.
2: Sorry, I'll get off my phone. Yeah, well, I, I would just, let me jump on that real quick too, Scott. And that's, you know, it's funny how this has been around for quite a while and it's a big topic and it's, and that's one of the, it probably might be the biggest threat we have, not only in our industry, but across the globe. And the certifications are slow coming. And, uh, you know, again, I keep bringing up PSA, but PSA is getting ahead of that with some certification training and it's, it's paramount that everybody gets on board and starts talking to the consultants, you know, um, the designers, um, construction people, and we just cross the board that it's very important to get your people trained because even though we're not providing it as an actual service out there to our customers, the consulting we're doing and then training our own people has been paramount and jumping on these certifications that when they come up is very very important to our industry
1: in a competitive situation with another comparable provider what would you say would be your uh ace in the hole as a differentiator that you would bring to four uh to kind of separate you from the competition and i'll jump uh in with Bert on that one
2: yeah so We've been successful because one of the things that we're, we're able to offer and explain to our customer is that we're an ESOP company. So we're all in this together and a lot of customers like the fact that we're ESOP because we're all owners. I mean, for me, all the way down to the brand new uh, uh, staff member we have on staff. And then all our field people are unionized. So they are highly trained and highly compensated. So, Everybody has a common goal to put forth the best product every day, and that's first and foremost. Uh, when we go to market, uh, and many of our competitors in certain spaces can't say that. And uh, you know, word of mouth and um, just preparing a comprehensive and educated proposal from really listening and understanding what the customer needs goes a long ways. So, I think it starts there really understanding and listening to the customer, and then formulating your opinion and suggestions from there on a comprehensive proposal. And then add the added value of this is who we are, that we've been in business since 1982, and we're closing in on our 40th year. All those things start differentiating what you're able to provide. And then also, you know, leveraging your manufacturers and their
3: reputations.
1: Very good. Lewis, how would you respond to that question?
3: So we, uh, um, you know, I, I've said it a few times, but really we approach this holistically for the customer. So we we wanna partner with them. So we will evaluate all aspects of their security program now, including staffing. So we will look at the program as a whole, make recommendations to them as a whole on their program. And we really wanna partner with them. So. That is the goal as we work with our customers. So for example, we have some customers now where not only have we built their regional security operations center, but we're staffing their regional security operations center. Um, you know, it, it's a very, for us and my background's in guarding. So it's less scary for me because when I talk about guarding with people and they kind of go, Oh my God, what are you doing? I, well, I, I did it for 20 years. I started out as a security guard, so I'm comfortable with it. Um, but you know, so what happens is you have this conversation, they go, well, can you help us with our staffing? Sure. We can help you with their staffing. So in 2021, we started integrated protection group, which is our guarding side of the business. So now I have a systems business, you know, I have this managed services business and I have this, 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 uh, staffing portion of the business, because we want to be able to go to that customer and have a holistic conversation with them. And they want that there's, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, and I won't name names that say they do guarding and they do systems, but they don't do it well. And the guarding side of the business doesn't talk to the system side of the business. And so nobody's getting any value in the market right now. They're spending millions of dollars on staffing and millions of dollars on systems, but the two don't talk to each other and the two aren't complementary to each other. So kind of like in the IT space, I just see this as Um, A real opportunity, and then you know I have to explain to the leaders in my company that yeah, I just decided we just put together a business plan that's never been done successful ever in the history of our industry ever. But we are going to offer both staffing and systems successfully to the customer in a holistic manner, and so that's the goal. Um, I'm going to do it or die trying, one or the other. So that's uh, that's that's my perceived. Uh, competitive advantage. And like I said, I'll either be successful with it or it'll kill me, one or the other. So we'll see how it goes. You can check with me next year on that one. Fair enough.
1: Fabiola?
0: Competitive advantage. Okay. So kind of like what I've talked about earlier in our conversations today, uh, we focus on the client experience. um, And the fact that we can always improve is one of the things that we base everything off of. Um, focusing on you know how you know from the touch point of how they interact with accounting to how they interact with service, the salesperson. Everyone has to realize in our in our team that you know they are there to make the experience of getting security you know in in, in enhancing their security posture for the clients, and 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 uh, focusing on that experience as a whole. Uh, Partnering with the clients is another piece that we focus on, you know, part of that experience, again, just the experience. I'm here as a resource. One of the many things I say to my clients, there's going to be times where they're they're coming at me and saying, Hey, do you, you know, we're we're trying to solve this problem, or I bring something new and a new item to the, to their attention that they didn't realize in their industry. I need to know the client. I need to know what their their pain points are. I need to know how their system operates and how not just their system, but how their business operates for me to be able to provide them the security that they need. Right. Uh, I'm not there for a transaction. I'm there for that relationship. And I think that brings us, you know, that that's, you know, for the past 30 years, you know, that's what made us successful 30 plus years, actually uh, since 89, you know, it's made us successful focusing on that client experience, focusing with our with each one of them and saying hey you know you know let me help you plan for your next quarter you know in five years you're going to have to replace some of these devices you know there's this new regulation coming in are you aware of it we'll hold you a webinar or a lunch and learn and and when we did that you know prior pandemic uh you know we're going to be here to be that person that they rely on that subject matter expert for them um and we we been doing it very successfully on the federal side. And now we're bridging that over to the commercial side, right? Um, and getting to know why, you know, you don't see us in, in many on the commercial side. I always name two, financial and um, property management. Why? Because we're focusing on understanding their problem sets. We're researching, we're interacting with them. Uh, we want to be able to be there to, uh, to solve their problems. And if they don't even know that they have a problem, bring it to their awareness and saying, hey, this is going to be coming up. You need to be prepared so you're not surprised. Um, Some of them might say, you know, kind of like what earlier you mentioned, uh, I think, Lewis, that, you know, the mobile device, you know, mobile um, cards, right? Uh, We've already haven't been installing that since 2016, some of those devices and kind of keeping them up to date, up to uh, 2017, sorry about that, up to to date on that, you know, knowing that that's going to come down the line, making sure that they're, hardware is flashable to be able to receive that data. So that way, that way, when their their time is ready, they can go in it without having the extra expense of saying, oh, I really need to do this. Or I, I, you know, my boss is saying we need to go virtual and we're no more touching anything. You know, can we activate it? You know, and yes, the answer is yes, because we thought about this two years back and we made sure you have a system capability for it, or we're minimizing that cost for you because we we thought about what's going to happen in the next two, three years when we propose something for you. So I think that's what makes us successful. That's what stands us out. Um, and you know, all of us taking a part in that and being passionate for what we do for our clients.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Um, we're about out of time. I was going to ask one more question. If everyone's good with that, hopefully the recording won't cut us off. Yeah. Um, As we look at the security integration industry as a whole, let's end it with one big picture question. You know, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges looming over the industry right now? And what might a solution look like in your eyes? Give you a moment to think about that.
0: Oh, oh, I can answer that. I have I was hoping you'd be asking the three wishes question, but I I like this question too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right, well, go ahead. Okay,
0: so one of the biggest things that I see that's happening in our industry um, has a lot to do with how we are attracting the farm team to be able to feed our industry with new talent, right? Um, Currently, uh, and and this is just one of my passion pieces, like this is one of my passion projects, pieces that we even work on internally here. How do we attract new talent into our industry? um, And how do we identify them, right? Nobody goes into school. Nobody grows up saying, yay, I want to be that person that, you know, is going to be a security integrator. And I want to design that CCTV system or that cybersecurity system, whatever the name, whatever it is for this, for this company, right? Everybody, you know, is everybody is on some other, you know, other field. So How does our industry get out there to one showcase what a career this industry has for everyone available out there, create a technical school of some sort. Or uh, a technical school, I think, is the best piece, um, so that we can attract those folks. And 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 the last piece has a lot to do with you know, diverse diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right, um, that's a big uh, big thing for us. You know, I know women in the industry. You know, you know is still still growing. We're, we're getting there. We're almost there. But there's a lot more to that. You know, more diversity, more um, in our in our industry that we can attract if we get the message out of how great this industry is. Because fundamentally each one of us, and I think Bert and Lewis can attest to this, are passionate about, we care about other people. This is why we're in our industry. We wanna do something good. We wanna protect and we enjoy what we do, right? Those three pillars of, you know, we care about others. Uh, We wanna be able to have a purpose. We're doing security for a reason. Um, And we like solving problems, because otherwise, why are we in this industry if we don't like solving problems and figuring out, you know, what else could we do to improve this, right, without going crazy and, you know, getting paranoid, as most of us can be in our security industry. Um, And how do we, you know, how do we attract like-minded people? most of the times, one of my favorite questions to ask folks is, you know, how did you fall into this industry? And it's, it's usually either brought in, nobody ever says, Oh, I wanted to do this. So either they're brought in, they've been introduced or they found a job and didn't know what it was. And then they loved it. Um, And, you know, I would like to start seeing people saying, Hey, you know, I came in because I heard it at a high school, um, you know, career night, or they started seeing it, you know, at those career fairs and, and, I really thought it was interesting to be able to be that technology person um, that goes um, that does support, because may, I may not be able to be a police officer or a nurse or you know, any of those folks, but I would like to be the one to help put those systems together for that. Um, the Alfred to the Batman, right? <laughs> the Edna Mode to the Incredibles. So that, that's where I'm kind of coming from. I think that that's the, um, that's the biggest struggle attracting new talent, but that's the biggest opportunity for us too.
1: Well said. Thank you. Lewis, what do you got?
3: Well, mine's not as good as that. I don't even know how to follow that one. Um, I agree hundred percent, Fabi. So that was great. Um, I mine is uh kind of more of on the on the other end of the industry. I think there's a tremendous threat to anyone in the integration business that's selling parts and pieces right now. Uh, manufacturers are going direct more and more. Um, I have a uh, one manufacturer that's going to direct to my customers multiple times. And they say to me, well, I'm just going to the customer. And then once I, I get them interested, I'm going to bring an integrator in. And I'm like, no, that's my customer. That that's not how this works. And so, you know, as that continues to evolve, then what, what, what I, I believe we as an industry have to be focused on again is service is what we're providing. We're not, parts and pieces companies, we're security services companies, we're offering services. We wanna be that trusted advisor to the customer so that even if they could go direct to the manufacturer, they wouldn't go direct to the manufacturer because they trust us and we're their trusted advisor. So there's that one piece of it. And then there's the other part of this where there's a certain amount of that we're not gonna be able to stop. So we better build our recurring revenue bases in and other service offerings in because if we think we're gonna make a living on this race to zero on the parts to piece and pieces, uh, we're wrong, right? So it's happening. Um, it's, you know, uh, somebody just, you know, I always hear this description of, you know, when, if you throw, if you put a frog in water and you turn the heat up, the frog doesn't know it's, you know, getting cooked until the water gets hot enough. I feel like that's what's going on right now. This industry is changing. They're changing how they do business. And if people aren't aware of what's going on and they either take on the manufacturers and tell them to behave correctly in the channel or change the business strategy. I think some people are going to get seriously hurt by this because, you know um, again, I've had multiple manufacturers in last year act in ways that I've never seen before going direct to customers, going around folks to get deals done. And they have no problem now walking right into a customer and having a conversation without notifying me that they're going to talk to one of my customers or do anything like that. And that, for me, that's new. The amount of that that's going on now is new, and I think it creates a real threat for folks that don't have a real service model associated with this with this process.
1: I think you might hear some of them say, well, you know, the physical security integrators aren't stepping up to be sophisticated enough for the solutions that we're trying to penetrate the market with. So that's why we're doing that. So if they said something like that, would you say there's any legitimacy to that or...?
3: We're, we're trying to keep this G-rated right now, so you don't really, <laughs> really want to know what I would say. I, I
1: can always add yeah, it.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're in the same wavelength, like Lewis. All
1: right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll just I would, stro-
3: I would strongly disagree. You know, we spend, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. We have to pay for training with them, right? So we're, we're paying to train with them. They're charging us for training on their product. They they give us quotas to be vars for them and sell their stuff and then they go direct to the customer. So, you know, there's all these rules for us to be in the channel and be a partner with them. And yet they can go do whatever they want. Right. And this isn't everybody. It's just, it's starting to happen more and more. And there are sales strategies set up with some of these companies. And I don't want to name names where their job is to go direct to the customers and try to pull business through. Well, That's fine if you want to go pull business through, but if you're going to one of my customers and I'm a VAR for you, then I should know that. No manufacturer should be having a conversation with one of my customers without letting me know they're having a a conversation with one of my customers. And that's happening more and more. And so there's a very thin line there between doing that and selling directly, right? And so at what point does, does this whole thing get, you know, this model we have, which is unusual with distribution and the separation that's going on. Um, you know, does it does it you know kind of blow up and change? Um, uh, so so anyhow, that if you you know that for me is my my biggest concern for folks. We I feel like we're doing an okay job addressing it, but if somebody were like a pure play installation company and this starts to happen on a larger level, it could be really impactful to them as a business.
1: Understood, Bert. Bring us home. What do you got?
2: Yeah, so it's it comes down to talent. Um, that's been a issue in our industry for years. There's really no feeder programs. Uh, we're fortunate enough in some of our markets that we have a JTC program through the union. So they they are recruiting people actively to bring them in and do a three year training program. Um, it's something that uh, we're heavily uh, involved with financially. So that that's that's a feeder program. you know. Otherwise, most of us, we have people that come on board and we train them on the job. We send them to manufacturer's training. Uh, we're fortunate to have some people that come from electronics training, which is very helpful. There are people that uh, maybe went to IT classes and it wasn't for them. We got them through that way. Or they went into become a, a high-voltage electrician and that wasn't for them. And they migrated into the low-voltage market. So talent is always... Uh, a premium and that's an issue short term i would say um it's distribution chains right now with product availability is uh, a real real challenge and it's going to get worse before it gets much better so you know uh, grassroots levels talking with uh high schools and high school counselors and talking with college uh, uh counselors and just getting it out there that hey don't forget we're here and, uh, we've had some success with that and a lot of word of mouth of our employees to, um, bring people on as well has been a very good feeder program for us, uh, in that, in that realm. So, but again, I think it really still boils down to talent and with the economy, um, headed to where it looks like a recession and, uh, with, the population growing at at its breakneck pace right now, um, this is going to be a problem for probably for years to come.
1: Especially finding people that have that aptitude and also the soft skills side of it, too, right? I mean, it's so right. hard.
2: Well, they got to have passion for what they do. And you have to have yeah. passion for what you're doing, anything you do in life. And to find people that are interested in understanding networks or camera systems or, or, whether it's fire sprinkler suppression, you got to have people that are interested in that, you know? And, um, but they mean there's a lot of people walking around that don't know they're not interested in it, you know? So just getting the getting that, that message out there at a very young age, I think for kids and for a long time, I think kids in high school are just conditioned. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. What Mm -hmm. about trade schools? And, um, I think it's getting better in some markets, but I think we could do a lot better job in getting that word out because um, the trades is it's a it's a it's it's a great way of life.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's why I think also as far as selling that, so many. I mean, in this industry, once they're in, you're in. You know, I mean, you uh-huh. may change companies or whatever. Don't, but...
2: don't
3: remind me. <laughs>
2: You can't get well, thing the thing. they can future-proof themselves. You know, that's the one thing about our industry. Uh, good technicians never go away. Oh, yeah. Uh, they just keep getting better, and we're all better
0: for it. thing is, the opportunity is right there, right before, high, at the high school level, um, 11th and 12th graders, especially those who are looking, who just don't feel like the college experience is what they're looking for. They, they want something else. And they, like you said, Bert, some people don't even know. That this right. is what they're looking for. And, and when we're recruiting folks, it's something that, you know, we, we look for. We, we, we interview with so many different people, just to, or we're walking a job site or we're walking around and, and you come across somebody who's like, wait a minute, I think this person actually has those characteristics that would probably enjoy and find home in our industry. Right. Um, so so yeah, it's just we're just not known yet. Um, but the opportunity is there. And anybody who starts out sky's the limit in our industry, I think. I mean, if you start out as a technician, you want to stay a technician, you can go project manager, you can go into sales or you start even often on the manufacturer side. You, you'll We never leave the industry. It's you can't get out. <laughs>
3: right.
1: I, I think I think it's not that not only fills all these positions that we need so much as an industry, but also helps. Elevate the entire industry because that builds up more awareness, gives us a larger presence, you know, when the legislations being done or anything. It just raises the whole stature of the industry to get that kind of awareness out at a young age. And then that talent comes in, too, and elevates the industry. Sure. I mean, it's just so important and uh, would help everything related to our business. I,
0: think, I think if future proves us to have these young folks come in and also make sure that we have a say, our industry has a say in what happens with our industry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, SIA is doing a tremendous job, for example. And I know ASSIS does its job too, but, you know, we are, we, we need to keep feeding our industry and keep growing it. um, So that way we can, you know, have, maintain our industry to be the security industry and not some subset of Name that under industry and put us under that umbrella because we're unique. Um, and, and granted, I'm biased, but you know, we have pieces of electronics, we have pieces of IT, we have pieces of construction and lock. Because you know, think about it. We're we're building. We're working in new buildouts and trying to figure out. You know, you know what lock sets are going in. You know, there's so many pieces that get involved that you know it only, only we can do it right. <laughs>
3: Well, And and it's evolved, you know, it was, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was coax cable and, you know, whatever, right. And now it's, you know, heavy IT infrastructure. Um, There are, you know, there are very attractive components of this. And it's, you know, there's a cybersecurity component now, right, as as well. So there's this opportunity and the the scope of what we do is so much bigger. But, you know, yeah, people don't know it. They just don't know it.
0: Lewis, if you think about it, we were the ones who were creating networks way back before it was a thing. Because, you know, when you're installing your old Cassie panels, Rusco panels, and you're installing those old uh, card key systems, right? Um, you know, we had to make it work in a building and communicate to one terminal. And so in a way, we did create networking. It's just that we were using it primarily for security. We only thought security and you we were always, you know, relegated to the basement of, of some some building right sure. um but you know we created all that we created networks for our cameras and things like that um you know some of us got creative and up. used the copper for yeah, other old
3: dial-up modems right that you would hear binging and bonging out of the panels right as they dial out in the exactly like- so, exactly
1: 100%. i don't want to waste uh or take up not waste but take up any more of your time i much
3: appreciate it it was uh- oh i
2: think you should ask number 12 real quick
3: We'll answer it fast, but we all practiced it. So you got to give us
1: three
3: wishes. Three wishes. All right.
1: Hey, let's do it. If you want to add it,
2: endless available supply and efficient communication. Those are my three.
3: Lois? or do you want me to go? My first two. I can't read my writing. Go ahead. I need to read my third one. (laughs) Hang on. Okay.
0: Actually, I actually pulled. I actually polled my staff and they wanted um, more detailed spec sheets. They wanted an enhanced platform, which automates the purchasing experience, like tracking numbers and estimated delivery. This is literally what my staff told me. Um, and a robust product search tool. Uh, and then of course, lower prices. Good. Yeah. Lower prices.
3: I had no price increases and no delays.
1: Well, the other one was not going direct, right?
3: Yes, there you go. Don't go go go. very much, and don't go direct. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah,
1: all right, excellent. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for doing this. It was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did.